What of our vessel? We knew the same answer. The truth is, I gave those words to this human. No, I won't kill him. Do you hear? You'll have to get your entertainment someplace else. Welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And I'm not drinking tea. <laughs> James is trying to sneak in a, a sip of tea before his turn came up. Bad tea. Uh, but we are going to be today following up on another listener suggestion, because we got a nice note from Rich O'Donnell, and I, I asked him to send us a suggestion. And so he said, well, how about Arena from Star Trek, the original series, which is based on a Frederick Brown short story. Um, and also he, he threw out a couple of other titles that we could consider. And we're going to consider a couple of them because he, he also mentioned there's an episode of the outer limits that's similar in theme and that there's another, there's a TNG episode called the last outpost, which is also somewhat similar. So we have watched all three of those. Uh, we elected not to cover Darmok. Sorry, uh, Rich. It's a great episode, but we, just kind of went, nope, that one's not really, not totally in there. And we wanted to limit what we were watching anyway. So we're going to talk about all three of those and uh, what the adaptational distance is from from the yes. story. And it's it's also worth discussing to what extent they're actually adapted. Um, right. So maybe we should dive in right there. Um, the story is from 1944 by Frederick Brown and was evidently pretty well known. Um, because mm-hmm. as we read in the These Are the Voyages for season right. one, which is a book that it has production notes, behind the scenes stuff, and all about the post production and release yep. of the episode. Pre production, actual like uh, production, and then post production. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It was a good read. Very cool. Yeah. Well, since you've most recently read that, why don't you right. talk about what, what happened during that while they were writing Arena? Shouldn't we talk about uh, the story first? I guess we should talk about the story first. All right. I'm just looking at that book and looking at James. Right. And... Yeah, I guess we should talk about the story. Okay. Question real quick. Mm-hmm. You can edit this part out. Did they actually credit that Outer Limbs episode with uh, Frederick Brown's story? I don't believe so. Okay. Because I believe they did credit the episode with the Frederick Brown story. They did. But it was so kind I was of- curious if they credited the Outer Limits story or not. Wikipedia but does not say that they I don't did. remember us actually watching the credits, so I don't know. <laughs> um, so, I'm curious I don't about they that. Mentioned things like that, that in yeah. the credits back then. Because I'm almost positive it's not in the one for Star Trek. You know, I don't remember seeing it, but I, after reading this, they did say that they had planned at least on crediting him. Hmm. I, I, you're right. I don't think we watched the credits, so I'm not sure. I will look. Teleplay by Gene L. Kuhn from a story by Frederick Brown. From a story by. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's probably best to start talking about the story, right? Indeed. <laughs> Nobody has to know. We've been talking for 10 minutes about other things. No. Um, while I was watch- literally watching the episode, trying to figure out the credits <laughs> on Star Trek. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the story by Frederick Brown. Came out in 1944 in Amazing Science Fiction, I think. It was Astounding Science Fiction. No, well, remember. even before we talk about the story by Mr. Brown, usually we talk about the story. Right. right. That's true. The thing that we're going to you know, talk about how adaptationally correct things are or not. Yes. You mean adaptationally correct is a value judgment. <laughs> mm, yeah. 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 Uh, accurate. Adaptationally accurate. Better. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, Colin, enlighten us. Okay. What is the story? 
Well, we have we have the humans who are uh, we're a spacefaring race, and we meet another alien species, and this third party alien species intervenes and forces representatives from each species to fight one another for the survival of their species. Right. How did I do? That's pretty good. Um, if we're if we're considering the common thread between everything that that we're talking about here, uh, the outer limits does not involve aliens until the arena thing happens. So the the conflict that is going to be resolved is right. a different source in the outer limits episode. But nor we are the humans in outer limits spacefaring. Yes, right. But that's okay. So yeah, that's that's pretty good. So I revealed my biases already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nobody, <laughs> nobody knows that Colin thinks that the story is the. <laughs> The main thing. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what I want to do though, I, I mean, we'll do our rankings where, where we say what we, mm-hmm. what we liked better than whatever, but I would like to try and figure out if we can all agree on the adaptational distance from the story to the three different media. Okay. And to do that, we're going to have to be able to say what the essential parts of the story are. Right. And James, you mentioned that in the, these Indeed. are the voyages. Book. Yes. So I guess a little background to the, what the screenwriting of the episode of the TOS episode mm-hmm. is that the original screenwriter, uh, Kuhn, Gene Kuhn, Gene Kuhn had wrote this screenplay for this episode, um, before he had realized it was actually, I guess, plagiarized <laughs> right <laughs> at the time. He wrote this screenplay and then some other executive had read it and it clicked in his mind. Hey, this sounds familiar. Yeah. And he, he came to, talk to Kuhn about it and Kuhn's like oh I forgot I actually read Arena and Mm. it came out in this book that everybody who's even tangentially involved in science fiction knows Frederick Brown back then right Uh, or now maybe I don't know well the story came out in 1944 and this episode's being written in you know 1967 yeah so and so everybody knows Frederick Brown he he had forgot he had kind of let this influence his writing without knowing it kind of thing which totally makes sense to me Mm -hmm. Uh, and so um, to figure out whether or not this might be Actionable and from a legal perspective, they went ahead and detailed the points of each story. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm going to do now. And nice. there's six major points that they call out in the book. Okay. So number one is aliens attacking Earth colonies. Check and check. <laughs> number two, imminent battle between Earth and aliens. Check and check. Number three, intervention of third highly advanced intelligence. Check and check. <laughs> Number four, instant transportation of Earthman and alien unarmed to quote-unquote arena on an asteroid. Number five, single combat to determine which race survives. And number six, the quality of mercy being the decisive factor in the outcome. It is our opinion that Kuhn's quote-unquote arena is substantively similar to the copyrighted story Arena by Frederick Brown and the airing of a screenplay from this outline without purchase of the Brown story could be actionable. Hmm. Yeah, there was not a check on that on the uh, quality of mercy part. Oh no, I, I I disagree. Okay, he won. He was gonna die. Boy, we're in the story now. I guess. Yeah, we're in the story. Right. <clears throat> okay, uh, he was going to die. His leg was infected, mm. and he knew he was gonna die. And uh, the lizards talk to him, and they want him to kill the lizard that the other that the roller had mutilated. And that's when he realized that things that were unconscious could pass through the force field. Mm. And then he hit himself in the head with a rock, went over to the roller, and killed it with his. He you know, was rock he knife. was mercy killing the mutilated lizard. Oh, okay. Remember, yeah. Bert yeah. kill come. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about the story because and, and it was the deciding factor because that's when he realized he could unconsciously get through the shield. Right. Yeah. So it was decisive, but 
Right. We'll get, we'll get back to the, the innovations of the, the Trek episode. And I do want to talk, uh, and somebody's got to remind me of this because I always say, I want to talk about this thing and then we never circle back to it. And, <laughs> okay. Um, then I have to scrub that from the, the edit. Um, about adapting a story for a television show with, with an existing canon, essentially. And, and what, what, what a Colin would do in that situation. But let, let's get back mm. to that. Um, so in the, I think most people probably listening to this have seen the episode of arena right geeks our age anyway um because this is this one i remember we'll get back to that yeah um but here yeah we have we have this uh confrontation in space between the earth forces and the outsider forces that's what they're they're called and as they're getting ready to engage in battle this guy ends up transported naked onto this desert sort of place yep with blue sand blue sand blue sky blue bushes Blue lizards. Blue everything. Yep. And finds himself facing off across a force field against a, a very alien alien, right? It's not a, it's not a Star right. Trek alien. No. It's <laughs> um, not a humanoid alien. Right. Like we all usually. Yep. I guess like everybody in Star Trek is, essentially. Except for a few. No, the Horde. Select episodes. You know. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, it's this sort of spherical thing with many appendages that it can use to hurl rocks. Yes, but not very far, not very hard. Right. But they will go through the force field. Yes. So it's kind of a battle of which they're trying, he's trying to figure out. Well, I, it's, are they told at that point that the victor, that everybody else's stuff will be wiped out? Yes. Right, right. It, there's a voiceover, mm-hmm. you know, from the, the supervising entity saying, your two species are too closely matched. And what will happen is you're both going to lose. One civilization will be destroyed. The other civilization will be so badly damaged, it will wither away into nothingness. Hmm. So to save one of the two species, I'm forcing you two to fight. And the winner's species gets to survive and the other one is destroyed. Okay. So that that's somewhat different than, than what the Metrons do in the episode. Yes. Right? It's, it's more, you're just too warlike. There's a, there's a less scale of effect in the episode. Than right in the short story, yeah, and that's that's one of the adaptational distance yeah. things that that some of them have and the other ones don't. Right? Mm-hmm. Is your whole species involved or just your ship? Yeah. So what happens in the story? Do we? Want to, I mean, it's a, it's a short story. We, we might as well talk through what exactly happens because we're going to have to discuss the differences in the other media. Okay. I mean, you already mentioned it, right? Mm-hmm. That that because because the lizard creatures can communicate with him. Right. They let him know, hey, this roller thing is hurting us. Can you put us right. out of our misery kind of thing? Well, there's a couple steps back that I think we should talk okay. about. Go for it. One thing that was mentioned was the um, – actually, that wasn't mentioned. In the story, the human actually tries to, to mentally contact the alien and talk to him and say, is there a chance for peace? Right. right. And the author intervenes and says, this thing is so alien and it hates him. Mm-hmm. Because mm. um, there's this this wave of hatred and alienation and nausea that hits him, and he, mm-hmm. he knows, right? There's just no chance. This thing hates him. He's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. He does try, though. At least he does try. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And so he starts throwing rocks, and the roller gets hit and rolls away, and it starts building a catapult. And the human responds by making a fire torch that he slings on a rope and burns it down. Right. Um, <laughs> But he got hurt by one of the rocks that the roller threw, mm-hmm. and he's getting an infection, and he's slowly dying. Right. Um, so he crawls far, far away so that the roller can't reach him, and he passes out, and then he passes out again. And then that's when the lizards wake him up and say, you know, hurt, kill, come. Mm-hmm. And he, he kills- Murder, the, death, kill. 
Yeah, he yes. kills the lizard that is suffering <laughs> and realizes that if you're unconscious or dead, you can pass through the um, the barrier. Right. And so he grabs a knife rock and passes out and kills the alien. Right. Well, he whacks himself against the Yeah, he whacks himself in the head field. at the top of a mound so that he would roll through the force field to the bottom of the mound. Right. And then, then he has to uh, carefully not move as the roller comes over to finish him right. off. Right, right. And yep. then manages to stab it right in the sphere. Yep. Yes. <laughs> right in the sweet spot. Uh, then yep. he passes out again and he wakes up in his ship. Apparently and, no time has passed. And he's clothed. Yep. But he's got a scar on his leg and lots of little yeah, scars on his chest. Yeah, he's clothed and healed. But, and he thinks it's a dream until, yeah, you're right. He, see, he sees the scars yep. and he's like, oh, this must have been real. And humanity is victorious due to mm-hmm. genocide. Yes. So, yay, humans. Yay. I mean, it's not... We, yeah, the we were the ones who killed them, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah... I thought it was in- I thought it was interesting how he chose not to tell the what happened to him though particularly to his right. like commanders and chain of command I suppose yeah I mean who's gonna buy it, it? Where, where, where's the evidence really yeah I mean, you could show them the scars but they could be like well we didn't you could have those scars before yeah although you'd think they do you know full detail yeah they probably would have had that had those scars medical records detail that, that they stuff. were there before right? not in 1944 science fiction <laughs> <clears throat> yeah his yeah. wife would notice yeah. <laughs> well, so what, what did you think of the short story? I enjoyed the short story. Yeah. Uh, did anyone happen to read yeah. the short story that immediately followed it? No. No. First Contact? Oh, poor souls. Oh, sorry. Yeah. We're all reading the story from different sources. We are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there is a 99-cent Frederick Brown collection on Barnes & Noble, and it's probably on, on Kindle through Amazon as well. Uh, story number two is this little short three-pager. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I always encourage my boys to try and read along and watch along when they mm-hmm. can. So... Uh, Tim read the story and then he read the second story and he goes, did you read the second story? It's really, really weird. <laughs> uh, it's a story about a paradox. Mm. So a guy invents ah. a time machine and he says, I can project things forward and backward into time. Um, okay. So when he goes to do it forward in a time, he explains that he has to, he has to do things in a certain order. Otherwise a paradox would, would occur. Mm. <laughs> and, so one of the he's doing this in front of reporters to show his great breakthrough discovery, mm-hmm. and the reporter says, "Well, what would happen if you dis, if you turned on the machine to say that you were going to, to take this little copper cube, mm-hmm. uh, but you don't end up putting it on the machine?" And the guy says, "I don't know. Let's find." And then it says, "No one, no, no one ever found out what happened because all all of the reporters, the professor, and the universe." Disappeared, leaving only the <laughs> copper cube. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I found I found the story on a like I can't remember what what university it was on on some university website as a PDF. Mm-hmm. I also found it from the library. There was a digital copy of you know a hundred years of science fiction or something, um, and uh, and read it that way as well. So, where did you get it? I read Colin's copy. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so should we do these in order of the way we watched them and, and talk about Trek? I mean, we've already kind of talked about Trek right. a little bit, right? Yes. Um, Let's Trek on. So, so <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so kind of as, as James was talking about it, right, the, the, the person who was writing the screenplay – at the at the most, he was kind mm-hmm. of subconsciously channeling that story. He right. wasn't setting out to right. adapt it, yeah. Right, and yeah. so so then they had to reach out to Frederick Brown and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, we'd like to purchase the rights 
right. to your story. And he said, well, I've never written for Star Trek before. And <laughs> I said, well, actually you have. <laughs> uh, because, because this story already existed. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so let's, let's talk about that though, about, about the, if you wanted to, let's, let's say somebody had wanted to adapt Arena to Trek. Would you see it being different than what we ended up getting? I mean, it could be, obviously. I'm, I'm asking right. you to speculate on all possible <laughs> branches in the timeline. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about the Trek episode and then maybe how it differs from the story. Okay. So in the Trek episode, an alien species has attacked a Federation outpost. Right. And Cestus III. Cestus III. And Kirk determines that if the alien species realizes there's only one starship guarding that quadrant... It could be the prelude to invasion. So they have to stop this ship right. from getting back to its home planet, which means they don't have any long form of long range form of communication, which is totally wrong because subspace. Yeah. Right. But anyway, so they're, they're chasing this thing down. And they can't quite catch it and it stops in the middle of space. And that's where we get the alien intelligence intervening and saying, right. Hey, you have entered our space. We can't allow that. And I, I sense that you're violent. And so you can work out your violence with champions and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we yeah. have an episode. Mm hmm. Like this could have happened between two sets of star, two sets of fleets, like the story, mm-hmm. and then Captain Kirk would have been the one chosen because he is the captain of the Federation flagship, right? Yeah. So instead of it being a mass, uh, kind of a massive prelude to a battle, it's right. it's the first kind of event that could spark a full scale war. Right. And Spock mentions this, right? Yeah. You, you, you are getting us into a situation where we could end up with all out war. And, and Kirk is like, well, they, they killed a bunch of people, dude. And, yeah. um, so stuff your logic. We're going to, we're going to go kill him. <laughs> yeah. He overrode him. I, yeah. I don't yeah. think a more accurate adaptation probably wouldn't have worked in the Star Trek universe anyway. What, how would you have done a more accurate adaptation? Cause this, well, this is my point in, in adapting it to an existing, canon that that you have mm-hmm. i mean it's only the first season but you have existing characters right yeah so you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna have some... well you also have existing species or races whatever right well so yeah you, but the... so you could have taken the humans and the klingons could have been the opposite alien that's true put a klingon champion on the planet put human champion on the planet mm-hmm. say the human wins and bam you wipe out the entire klingon race true and I think what they did here was was they they dealt with that revulsion and hate kind of thing, right? Where, yeah. where, where you had the mm-hmm. the very alien roller. You're not going to do that in 1960s yeah. television. So you go, okay, well, what's something people are repelled by? Reptiles. Reptiles, sure. Um, and so the Gorn is this <laughs> guy in a rubber lizard suit. For Seth, it would have been spiders. It would have been spiders. <laughs> Definitely would have been spiders. Yeah. Can you imagine being the guys in that foam rubber latex complete body suit in right. the middle of California in the Summer, actually, apparently, it was in the. They filmed in November, so it was actually quite chilly. Okay, yeah. Except for the dudes in the suit, they still found it hot. Yeah, but at mm-hmm. least it was in November and not June or July. Yeah, or August. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I mean, I kind of look at this and I, and I go, "This is probably about as well as you could have adapted it for an existing television show." There, yeah. there is a difference, but I feel like the difference is completely appropriate to the show, and we've talked about. Well, I think the, 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 Star the themes is. are still there, right? The, the yeah. points and which comes out in the legal action. Yeah, right. I, I think the, the quality of mercy thing is, yeah. is one step further to be kind of aspirational the way Trek. Right. I think that makes it more, they, they, the last point is more Trek than it is. The, yes. Yeah. 
Um, it's interesting though. We were talking about, um, I can't remember if we were recording when you mentioned that you've been watching NCIS and over the course of the seasons, they've lost <laughs> six minutes of broadcast because of the <laughs> right. increase in ads. Yes. And you go all the way back to 1967 and uh, yeah. you know, that episode is like 52 minutes long or something. Yes. And so it's 20, almost 24 minutes before Kirk and the Gorn are on right. the planet together. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is not fast paced. No, there's quite a protracted scene where they're on the planet being mm-hmm. shelled, you know, uh, somebody's launching rockets or bombs yep. at them and they're trying to get them back. And Right. Lots of rolling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I lost count at some point. Um, right. But uh, Red Shirt dies, of course, as, as is needed. Naturally. Captain Abernathy, of course, survives. Um, yes. Sorry, Red Shirts. Yep. 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 You, you guys are with me. Yep. Yep. Um, I enjoyed the discussion about, you know, whether or not they should pursue and destroy the ship. Right. And then at what cost too, because as they're, as they're chasing them, they keep going faster and faster. And, you know, Scotty warns them, or I think maybe it's Spock warns them, uh, extended warp seven could damage the ship. And then he orders warp eight and everybody <laughs> looks at him like, that's crazy talk. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cut shot to Scotty looking shocked. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, and then of course they get jerked out of warp eight, yes. impossibly, right? And that's that's showing the Metron's power. Yeah. Um, you know, there is a Star Trek theme, and I don't know if it starts in this episode, but it's about how much Captain Kirk cares for his ship. So yeah, he's on the planet. Somebody's throwing bombs at him and his crew, but up in space around the planet, the alien ship is fighting the Enterprise. Right. And his orders to Mr. Sulu are very, very clear and explicit. You do anything you need to do to save my ship. Yes. Right. Don't drop screens or shields and Sorry. beam me up. <laughs> screens. Deflector screens. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, if nothing is working, then leave orbit. Mm-hmm. Leave, leave, leave my, leave this little crew group away team on the planet and go away. Yeah. Right. Because that's something which does come back several times throughout the Star Trek series. It's how much he cares about the Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. And there's people on it, too. And the people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, so I bring that up to say that it, it may be introducing that theme. It makes it uh, oh, makes the viewer aware that it's a really important thing that the Enterprise not be destroyed. I mean, you should anyway. Right. But Kirk is there just to reinforce your mind. You know, the mm-hmm. Enterprise is important. Mm-hmm. I don't want it destroyed. I'm going to try and defend it at all costs. Yeah. Right. So Kirk ends up facing down with the Gorn, which I remember being very creepy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, because th- this was airing in the probably late 70s when I was watching it in Anchorage. And uh, I don't know if I had nightmares from it, but, you know, the, fa- the fact <laughs> that it didn't blink – that that didn't say to me as a you know nine year old kid or whatever, uh, th- this is a man in a suit. That that said, it's creepy. It's a lizard that doesn't blink. Uh, so, but when we watched it just last night, it did blink in the remastered version. Yeah, the remastered version. Oh, really? Beautiful graphics oh, yeah. and sound effects, and the Gorn blinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Which is not faithful to the original. Nope. Well, no. The I want the dude in a rubber suit, man. I thought you were talking about the roller. Like, the roller didn't have eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. Had appendages and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, what the, the quality of mercy here is, well, first of all, it starts working on them, the idea that Kirk finds out that Cestus III was essentially in a disputed area. Right. Right. That, that the, there was a human outpost there, and mm-hmm. the Gorn considered that trespassing. Mm-hmm. And so that begins to soften – and. Aboard the ship, like McCoy finds out about it too, right? Right. Um, 
I guess that must be after they they can view the action. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They Which I thought was a, and seeing. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a great ad because as you hear Kirk's mm-hmm. as Kirk's talking into the translator recorder, mm-hmm. uh, they get to view it, and so you get to be part of the action and his thought process without having some you know bodiless thought voice going mm-hmm. on. Right. Yeah. Um, Rich mentioned his email. Like he he wasn't a fan of how many times Kirk had to say out loud, "I need a weapon. There must be a weapon." They said there was a weapon here. There, <laughs> might, there must be a weapon that we can make. Um, and, and I kind of agree. I mean, it, it's uh, would he really be talking out loud? Maybe I don't know. I talk out loud when I'm cooking sometimes. Pretend I'm on a cooking show. <laughs> Seriously, we take our potatoes and dice them very finely. That is correct. I, I'm not afraid to admit it. Very so. nice. <laughs> One difference between the book and the episode is that Kirk does not try and sue for peace. Right. No, yeah. He. I mean, he's he's mad, right? He wants some revenge because they killed a bunch of people on Cessus right. 3. Yeah. Um, but he has – so that gives him a little bit of an arc once he finds out that, okay, we were trespassing in your area. Maybe it's understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, still, maybe maybe come along and say, dudes, out. You don't have to Kill introduce yourself right. by right. Yeah. destroying the outpost. Yep. So – or the settlement or colony or whatever it was. Um, of course, as with any original series episode, you don't really get a good sense of scale about how many people actually were killed. Right. Um, because the sets are not cheap. No. Well, they are cheap. They're really <laughs> right. cheap. They're yeah. really cheap. <laughs> Maybe every one of those black marks on the ground was a, a bobby remnant. Maybe. And of course, you never see the Gorn ship at all. In the original episode, you never see the Gorn yeah. ship at all. Mm-hmm. In the modified episode, it's there, way far away. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. I, I must have looked away. <laughs> it's way far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so then Kirk realizes that uh, he's out. He's kind of outclassed by this Gorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, the physically. Gorn is, right. is physically really tough and st- much, much stronger than he yes. is. Has abs of steel. Right. Yep. <laughs> and he hopes to be faster and maybe also uh, smarter than the Gorn. And that kind of turns out to be true. The Gorn decides to try and crush him, bite him, uh, beat him with a stick. Mm-hmm. Kirk goes and invents. Although well, the Gorn does build a snare, which is pretty cool. It does build a snare. That's yep. kind of fun. Which wounds and the I'm guy. like, damn it, Kirk, you fell for that. Yeah. And it wounds <laughs> him in the leg, which is right. canonical. Yep. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> and he ends up limping the rest of the time. Right. Um, it is. I like the fact that they call out the lack of agility on the Gorn because because mm-hmm. it's right. painfully obvious <laughs> yeah. as it's reaching for him very slowly. Right. It's like, it's like dream fighting where, where where everything goes in slow motion and yeah. then Kirk like does the judo chop right. thing and the and the double double fist. Oops, yeah. I mean, double fist hits the microphone. <laughs> um, and it slows up Kirk for the actual practicality of filming with the Gorn, right? Right. Which yeah. is one of the things they took into consideration, apparently, according yeah. to the production notes. Yeah. Kirk throws a rock the size of a small watermelon. Yeah. The Gorn throws a rock the size of a small car. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Which takes an awful long time to get to Kirk, because he's not even looking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're supposed to dodge that. Oh! Right. <laughs> yes, so then then we come to the Mythbusters portion of the episode. <laughs> yes. Right. Where Kirk figures out how to make a makeshift cannon out of saltpeter and charcoal and... Uh, sulfur. sulfur, sulfur, yes, and diamonds, and diamonds, and diamonds, and diamonds. I guess is the projectile, projectile part of it yep. all. I suppose he would trade all those diamonds for a hand <laughs> phaser. But so he ends up blasting him, despite the fact that MythBuster said nope. The most likely situation right. is Kirk is killed. Yes, and the Gorn is barely harmed. Right. Of course, they weren't using materials from the Arena Planet; they were using Earth analogs. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
it looked like bamboo, but who knows? That could have been bamboo with some amazing tensile strength. Well, there were there were two problems that they came across. One is when they were trying to hand mix it with uh, potassium nitrate, yeah. sulfur, charcoal, just those three things. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get they couldn't get one that that burned fast enough right. to create an explosion to propel anything. Yeah. So right. then they used real gunpowder. <laughs> And that caused bad things to happen to their bamboo. Right. Right. Yeah. No, the process of incorporating for, for that. And, and timeline goes into that. You remember at, at some point he's uh, the professor in, in the book Timeline is basically making gunpowder. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's very painstakingly – grind it really, uh, yeah, really, 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 Grinding it really, really fine. fine. Otherwise, you don't get the fa- yeah. a fast enough reaction right. for the explosion because it's the speed of the explosion that's really the mm-hmm. uh, the factor. Yeah. So – but, you know, it's Trek and so we're okay with right. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he decides, no, I won't kill him. I won't kill him. No. He- <laughs> <laughs> I won't um, kill him for your entertainment. Yes. So then the Metron shows up. It's very metrosexual. Right. Which is funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a woman. Yep. Right. Is it? Yeah, yes. it is. It's actually a woman. <laughs> huh. um, and she, it's the second episode that she was in because she was she played one of the big-headed guys in the cage. Get out. Oh, yeah. In, uh, yeah, in Menagerie. In- yeah. Yeah. You mentioned it in These Are the Voyages, yep. which we definitely have to recommend because yeah. it's cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah. At, at some point, we're going to try and sit down and uh, go through all the Trek episodes and see if there are any other adapted ones. Right. Uh, right. I know of one for sure from Star Trek, the animated series based on a Larry Niven short story. Mm-hmm. Which is on Netflix. Ha Yeah. I saw it yesterday. We should do it before it disappears. Right. Yes. Yeah, that'd be cool. But if there are others, we want to find them. Right. So, yes. TOS episode, what do we think? Good. Cool. Yeah. I enjoyed cool. it. It's cool. It's still a classic. And yeah. in terms of adaptational distance, it's quite close in a lot of ways. Yeah. With, with the differences that are kind of come along with adapting it to a television show. And since it wasn't really adapted, right. it's kind of surprising how close it is. So what I want to – I don't know that the These Are the Voyages goes into – did they do any changes to make it closer to it since they had the rest of the story anyway? I don't know. I don't know either. But, you know, using those six points is probably mm-hmm. a really good point of reference to evaluate or judge the other two episodes yeah. that we're going to yeah. talk about. Yeah, because I feel like the biggest difference, apart from all of the stuff that happens before they even get to the arena planet, mm-hmm. um, the two main differences are the quality of mercy is much more explicit in in Trek. In Trek yeah. Right? Yes. Um, I won't kill him. I'm not doing this for your entertainment. Screw you guys, right? right? And the, the other one is um, – that it's not galactic consequences, right? It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not right. genocide. It right. will destroy your ship or their ship. Yeah. So smaller scale, but destroying either of them would have kept the big conflict between them from happening right then, right? Yes. Right. Because if only one of them could report back, then then you don't end up with them. Probably. probably. I don't know. I think probably. if you de- if you destroy the Enterprise, then the Gorn probably take over that sector of the galaxy. Well, according to them, it was already theirs. Right. We we were the the intruders. Right. But you then- are the intruders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, Lurch. <laughs> yeah. So the voice of the Gorn is Ted Cassidy. Yep. <laughs> uh, Ted Cassidy was Lurch in the Adams Family, mm-hmm. and uh, he was also uh, an android in What Are Little Girls Made Of? TOS episode. TOS yep. episode. Yep. And he was the the voice of uh, Baylock in the Corbinite Corbin- maneuver. <laughs> it's it's like they're like what else can we awesome. use this guy for yeah <laughs> yeah all right i said we move on yep. okay so what are we talking about next outer limits next checks i don't know well the the order we watch them in then we watch the last outpost the last outpost. Oh, let's, okay. let's be somewhat brief about this one because yeah it's not particularly close no no 
Um, so this is the one that introduces us to the Ferengi mm-hmm. in kind of a, it's, they did not know what to do with the Ferengi at that point. <laughs> and yeah. you, you right. can't see me making weird orangutan motions in the air. <laughs> yeah. they, they did a lot of freestyle dance. Right. Um, yes. Uh, and whips. And, yeah. And the whips. Yes. Um, <laughs> I hate it when my whip gets twisted. Straightened, right? <laughs> Straightened. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, well, first season TNG. Right. It was rough going. I mean, this is episode number five, right? They yeah. didn't. They didn't really know what they were doing yet. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's. It's also. I. I texted Colin. I said I, I watched the last outpost, and I don't think it's canon. <laughs> He's like, wait, what? Um, because I, I thought you were overstepping a little bit. But there were. I think there were things that were non-canonical in it. You. You reminded me because I was. I was saying because you know Quark was aboard Deep Space Nine at this point, right? I mean, it wasn't Deep Space Nine. It was Tarek Nor. Right. Right. Um, but so the Ferengi were known somewhere. But just not yeah. so much by the Federation. But then you reminded me that the Stargazer incident with the Picard maneuver mm-hmm. was against a Ferengi ship. Yeah. So, and that was well, previous. They, they also didn't know the Ferengi very well on that Stargazer either, right? I, I suppose, but this episode That, that was the whole it. point. Kurt, or not Kurt, Picard didn't realize that he was causing them damage, I suppose. Because it kind of comes out in that episode, right? The, with the uh, Stargazer episode you're talking about. Because when the, when the Damon or... Mm-hmm. I guess it was his son or something like that was trying to take revenge on Picard. Mm-hmm. Picard was like was trying to argue with him that you know you provoked us and I was just defending my ship. We didn't know who you were. Right. Blah blah blah. So. Yeah, but this episode presents it almost as if Picard has had no contact with him at all. Yeah. And that yeah, Star, Starfleet hasn't really either. Right. Yeah. So things move on. And it was and a newer class of Ferengi ship. So there you go. There we go. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. They, they didn't know. <laughs> yeah. They didn't know it was Rebel Alliance. They did at least stick with the. <laughs> Ferengi are kind of short, but, uh, you know, big ears. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> anytime I think of the ears, I think of that Ooh, meme box. that I saw posted. I don't know if it was from the onion that had the Ferengi ear, right. uh. Fer- Ferengi ears on Trump saying Trump pledges <laughs> to replace the constitution with the Ferengi rules of acquisition, <laughs> which made me laugh. And many umaks. Yes. So this one doesn't, uh, well, yeah, it does have them pulled in, you know, in the midst of a conflict by a more powerful, being yep right that mediates it not really well they yeah they figure out that the planet is holding him not each other because they both tried to kind of bluff Mm -hmm. and they go down to the planet and the frangi uh betray them Mm -hmm. and then the guardian shows up and Riker agrees to face them and the frangi backstab him again right right Uh, well they nominate him right yeah he He will take the challenge (laughs) (laughs) and and he meets the challenge and beats it Mm mm-hmm and then, then the guy says, oh, I gave him those words. <laughs> yep. Yep. But there's there's really no consequence. Although they, he does, the Guardian right. asks at one point, you know, should you want me to destroy them for you? Right. <laughs> right. And Riker demonstrates the equality of mercy of, you know, right. we view them the way we were a couple hundred years ago. It's just they have advanced technology and they're still kind of the worst of what we were. Yep. Um, so of the six points... So far, we have. <laughs> Let's work backwards because number six is the quality of mercy. That's not really a decisive factor in anything. It's not. I mean, it, the, I guess it's the, a deci- decisive factor in not destroying the Ferengi ship. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. Uh, there's no single combat. So that's. Well, there is. Right, Riker has to face the uh, the Guardian. What, what There's the, the threat of single combat. Yeah, the Guardian, yeah. the right. no actual single combat. Right, but he brings back that that Sun Tzu thing, right? Right. Of 
Yeah. Uh, when, when instant fight transportation, I guess, was there, but not by the uh, third party. Although yeah. it doesn't specifically mention instant transportation by the third party. Hmm. It says instant trans. Oh no. Uh, yeah, it's just an instant transportation of Earthman and alien, unarmed to the arena on an asteroid. We have a matter energy. They were on a planet, not an asteroid, and they were armed, so right. disqualified. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> and number three, intervention of third highly advanced intelligence. Check. Yep. Eminent battle between Earth and aliens. Uh, uncheck. Aliens attacking Earth colonies. Uncheck. So we've satisfied yeah, two and a half points. In this case, they stole something, right? Right. Yeah. So it, it, that was a, a Ferengi style attack. <laughs> True. <laughs> and it was it was for a similar reason as with the Gorn, right? Because that wherever that was was claimed by the Ferengi, right? But but yeah. Picard said we're not going to argue about this right now. There's something more important. So right. Uh, not a great episode. I enjoyed the episode. And I think it's a good first introduction of the Ferengi. I'm glad they improved the Ferengi later on. Right. Yeah, it's pretty rough in terms of the, the, all the the weird dancing and gesticulating is <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> um, and it is it is very interesting that, you know, they, they put them, you know, Armin Shimmerman and the other two guys in an episode with Michael Dorn and oh, uh, yeah. uh, Jonathan Frakes, who are very tall. Right. Yes. Um, it could be that they're just a particular clan or, you know, race of Ferengi. I think the Ferengi maybe tend they, to be... Maybe they sure. weren't representative of the entire race of Ferengi. I don't know. If you've got Wall and Sean, Wallace Sean is the Grand Negus. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're all and sure. Max Grodenchik and a couple of others. Yeah. And, uh, Aaron Eisenhardt. Aaron Eisenberg. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, Ferengi are short. It, it well, is not, not so much the short part, but I mean the, the weird dancing and gesticulating. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. They got rid of that. <laughs> I mean, that, that was a direction <laughs> I know, choice, I've, right? Yeah. They paired out some of that. You, I can't see Quark doing any of that. Yeah. No. <laughs> Can you imagine? Even though he did, to right? pour was a drink? Quark? The same actor? <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. Out of yep. limits? Yep. yep. Okay. So this one is quite different because it starts just on contemporary right. Earth, right? Uh, where you've got a guy. At, well, it introduces the concept that uh, humans where your love TV their games. got taken over. Well, yes, of course. <laughs> where something goes wrong in the middle of a poker game, somebody gets iced, right. yep. and then a guy's running from the police, runs across a woman, and then finds himself and the woman talking to this game master guy. Right. Yep. Um, so the, the advanced species has grown beyond conflict, so to entertain themselves, they randomly kidnap people from around right. the universe right. and force them to fight each other in gladiatorial combat. Right. And But there have to be stakes to it. So mm -hmm. if you win, you, your species survives. If you lose, your species is eliminated. Right. Yes. Or your planet. I don't, I don't remember if species or planet. But at that time and still now, the species Same thing is only the, on the planet. Same thing in that time frame of Earth. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so um, you want to tick through the thing? Or do you want to? Sure. I mean, it, it really is a lot more like the most dangerous game in some ways because it's kind of in a jungle area mm -hmm. and they have mm -hmm. to um, defend themselves against somebody hunting them. It's like Predator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, the other, there's kind of similar to the Trek episode where humans have an advantage of their higher reason and th mm. these, you know, other animal creatures in the monkey suits. Yeah. Um, They're stronger and faster yeah. or something. And they got cool boomerangs. That they throw backhanded for some reason. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, okay. Which I, I commented, you know, we, we like disc golf, and so so I, I, I remember saying when when uh, when the woman picked it up at the end, I said she's going to throw it forehand here, and that's going to be decisive. <laughs> and it was more of an overhand shot; it was like a thumber. But, yeah. Right. Um, mm, yes. Yep. 
The boomerang corrected itself. <laughs> yes. It was very stable. Yep. All right. So we're taking through the points? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Six right, points. Number one, aliens attacking Earth colonies. Nope. Negative. Nope. Imminent battle between Earth and aliens. Negative. Nope. nope. Intervention of third highly advanced intelligence. Ding. Ding. Yes. Check. Check. Instant transportation. Check. Mm-hmm. Single combat. Eh. Call it double combat. <laughs> half, half point. So, yeah, half yeah. point. All right. So that's two and a half points so far. No, three. No, that's half a point. No, no, no. That's no, one said, and a half. I said two and a half points so far. Oh, it so is? We got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Number three, intervention of third, highly advanced intelligence. Oh, instantaneous transportation. Instantaneous transportation. Ah. And uh, single combat. I'm going to go that way. Well, at oh, least James can half. count. Yes. yes. <laughs> two and a half. Two and a half? <laughs> Don't show me that figure we have to do. <laughs> and that number was the six, half. Uh, quality of mercy. Not so much. No, not really. No. One of the aliens kills its yeah. mate so that it can have twice the food supply. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I think you could argue that the quality of mercy here was the guy essentially sacrificing himself so that the humans could win. He's, t- he's telling her, kill, right. kill the thing now, it's vulnerable. And she says, but you'll die. And he says, he's no, okay. I won't. Yeah, he's okay with it. Right? And As she- he falls into the river of fire. Mm-hmm. But in the end, she turns around and says, well, he was the winner. I knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to die. He knew I wasn't going to do anything unless he lied to me. Right. Right. So maybe I'd give him half a point for that. Yeah. So total of what? Three. Three points. Did we tally it up for the last outpost? Uh, yeah. Okay. I did in my head anyway. I don't remember. What well, yeah, we'll have to discuss what what <laughs> we think of, um, because they're they tick different boxes. Right. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. Three. Outer Limits is fun. Uh, it is a great voice performance from the, the Game Master guy with, yes. the, with the cool fingernails. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's a pretty famous voice actor. Um, oh, I that we actually have, like, scientific tallying going on. This is how we should rank them. Oh. Of course, well, that would put I, the story number one. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Which yeah, is right. probably that's, what that's, it is to do anyway. <laughs> that's, that's the column. <laughs> um, no, but I wanted I wanted to do two different tallies, right? Where we have the individual, yeah. what did, how would we rank them? And, okay, I'm going and to then, <laughs> and then, um, well, we can, we can discuss it because we, we don't have to go on the math. We can also go with, you know, nope, do I'm we, do we feel that one's more accurate so, uh, or are they weighted differently? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. So two S obviously gets a six. I don't know. I feel, I feel like TOS goes a step beyond on the quality so of mercy. Give right? it like a seven? Six no, I deduct it because, because it's an innovation. <laughs> <laughs> so three points for outpost. And what was it for? Three points for three. Outer limits. Yeah. So we're gonna have to. It's gonna have to be a value judgment between those two. Yep. Okay. So that's all four. Yep. Book in three episodes. Yeah. So now we should. Now, if I remember right, you wanted to rank the two and then look at adaptational distance between the four. Am I right? Or no? I rank rank the four. Rank the four. And and also see if we can decide on which, in what order they should go in terms of accuracy. Okay. Right. So our rankings are always subjective based on whatever we want to do, and yours tend to be on accuracy lots of times. Yeah. But sometimes it's also just based on I enjoyed the book or the the movie more than the book. It I'm gonna have happen. to go with empirical evidence this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, what, which which do we want to do? Okay. So can we agree on the on the order of the three television episodes? Which one? I think we agree that TOS is the closest. And, right. and like you said, maybe even a notch yeah. higher with you making that mercy of a slightly higher value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that Rich mentioned, is he thought that the, at least I think he did, that that, that mercy element is, because mm-hmm. in the, in the arena story, right, right. The, it's you feel very, good it's about the ending? It's not very implicit. 
Or I think it's very implicit, I should say. I wouldn't have actually thought about the mercy point unless mm-hmm. I had read this book. Right. I, the other ones, yeah, I'm, I'm ping, ping, ping all those. But the quality of mercy thing, I wouldn't even thought about that being actually yeah. applicable to the short story. Right. Well, I, I don't feel like I can go, you know, in the original story, yay, genocide. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. But the stakes are different. <clears throat> yeah. It is made very clear to us that there there will not be there will mm-hmm. not be peace. Even though the Earthman tries. And mm-hmm. maybe that's more the quality of mercy versus trying right. to save the lizard, like I mentioned, yeah. right? The Earthman says, Hey, can yeah. we can we work this out? Yeah. And you, you so you you don't have to feel good about it, but you can be like, Okay, given given no other choice, we would rather have humanity survive. Yeah. But you know, I think Star Trek does that better. Yeah. Okay, so anyhow, in in terms of the quote adaptations, uh, Star Trek is the most right, the the closest to a adaptation. Yeah, right? Yes. So then, in a lot and of ways, and it actually credits the story. Correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Directly. Outer Limits, in a lot of ways, is very distant from it because there's no spacefaring. It's not right. I mean, it is science fiction still, but mm-hmm. you lose the main setup for it. Right. Right. But you have the stakes that are the same. Yes. Yep. So that and to me that's a big point in its favor is is that the stakes are higher right. than the last outpost. I think despite the empirical evidence, I will say that the outer limits is probably closer than the last outpost. Well, it was three and three, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that's why I said despite the empirical evidence. Right. Yeah, so it's a value judgment for that. It, right. I would agree with James that I feel like the outer limits episode was closer to the story mm-hmm. in the in the ways that mattered. In in yeah, yeah, yeah. In like original intent and yeah. yeah. Yep. Single yeah. combat. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh just Double a little time. bit of counterpoint. Mm-hmm. In the last outpost, we're again demonstrating the, the human character property of mercy. Right. And True. it's directly done there, right? Right. Riker could have said, yeah, right. nuke him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and there's the other part about the, not the Metrons, the Takong. Takong. The, the Guardian had read all their files, mm-hmm. right? And found that we were warlike. And then in interacting with Riker and, and talking about Sun Tzu, yeah. um, it kind of comes around to the idea that, okay, I think that makes the outpost, the last outpost, closer to actually the TOS episode than to the story, which makes sense. The short story, yeah. yes, because in both there, you have the warlike, warlike, quote unquote, warlike races mm-hmm. displaying diplomacy and mercy and yeah. not wanting to completely destroy their opponent. Yeah, I think that's a good point actually. That it's more, it's more like a, it's more Trek. <laughs> it, it is much more Trek. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense. So, yeah, I don't know. So, what what, what do we think? Yeah. I'm going to get two as Outer Limits and Last Outpost, but... That's what I would do as well, but we yeah. can... We, we don't have to from agree a, from a from From the perspective of the short story itself. Yeah. The, the quality of mercy thing is is a little nebulous to me. In the Outer Limits? In the story. That's true. And so I would... Mm-hmm. Although I like that a lot personally, yeah. if I was talking about how close it was adaptationally, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I got to go Outer Limits. Yeah. Because you still end up with the humans winning. Yeah, it's human race versus, you know, the aspect of mercy. And so maybe the guy, maybe the guy giving himself up and sacrificing himself Mm. shows that he's being merciful. Yeah. And not just selfish. You have that whole excursion about him getting put behind bars at a zoo after some kid knocked him out. I'm like, I'm really disturbed by that whole story that somebody punched him out and the teacher wasn't aware of that until they put him into a cage. Oh, it happened to Dudley Dursley and he lived through it. Come on. <laughs> that's that's with a Burmese python, you know, that's different. That's true. Although it's a lizard. I mean, I'm not a lizard. A reptile. reptile. So snakes are not lizards. Okay. So then actual personal rankings. Mm, the same with the story on top. Okay. 
Yeah, actually, I, eh, I think I have to go that way yeah, too. Probably, yeah. Although I think I would probably watch the TNG episode before I watched Iron Lumens again. So maybe, Ooh. maybe I'll go with the short story TOS TNG then. Uh, TOL. <laughs> TOL. Yes, TOL. <laughs> TOS TNG TOL. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, the story T S T O S T N G T O L. Correct. That's what you did. Okay. Yeah. Yep. What about you, Colin? That's what I did. I- I'm gonna I'm gonna buck the trend and go T O S T S T N G T O L. Okay. Yeah. Because, like we talked about, I think that the original the original series takes that quality of mercy mm-hmm. and takes it out of trying to offer peace and killing a lizard yeah. to mm-hmm. offering mercy to the opponent that you have rightfully defeated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. It took it when the going back to what they said in the these are the episodes. What the quality when they listed the quality of mercy thing here first, I didn't quite understand what they were talking about because at first, like you said, I thought they were talking about when. The Earth, uh, whatever his name was in the story. Uh, when he was trying to find a diplomatic solution before actually attacking him. Right. Um, but then it Bob. says the decisive factor in the outcome. I'm like, that wasn't really decisive in the outcome at all. And then you had talked about the lizard and, and the mercy killing. And I was like, oh, that's the decisive factor, right? Because it led to him discovering the unconscious rollabout. Carson. Carson. Bob that's Carson. It. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I think I'm going to side with Colin on this one. Actually, I think yeah, I yeah. think you've you've brought me around to to crediting uh, TOS more just because of that aspirational mm-hmm. element of it that we can be better. Good right. because that was your point originally. <laughs> it was. <laughs> You're going to go back and listen to the podcast and then be embarrassed. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds good. I can fix that. <laughs> I gave him that answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, uh, we can wrap it up. Uh, I, oh, I let's see. So Rich included Darmok in here, and he didn't. He didn't actually rank the outer limits, um, but so he went short story TOSTNG. So, so thank you so much, Rich. By the way, for reaching out and saying nice things to us. We always like it when people say nice things to us. Um, so why don't we talk about what we're going to do next in April? Well, we've been the end of this month. We're recording in on St. Patrick's Day, so top of the barn into you. Yes. We're going to talk about Ready Player One. Yes. So we'll all need to get reading that one. Uh, the library, all the copies from the library are out for some weird reason. I don't know why. Mm. <laughs> it's like the movie's coming out. Right. But uh, we'll have to read that and, and watch it. Um, and so that that is your, your homework for the next episode. Try and find a copy of it someplace. Right. <laughs> yes. And try and enjoy it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like uh, it's one of those ones. I have I have seen some people who... On a first read, even with the 80s nostalgia and them being vulnerable to 80s nostalgia, didn't like the book. So, um, right. But that wasn't my experience. I'm, I'm worried about my subsequent reading of it. But, um, well, you, like, as I pointed out, you've had similar issues with The Martian, where mm-hmm. the first read of The Martian is really rewarding for all the mathematics. And yeah. you felt like the details get in the way of enjoying a second or tertiary reread. Yeah. It was the same with Jurassic Park, too. Right? Yeah. Um, so, any, any kind of harder yeah. science fiction <laughs> tends to. To not reward a reread for me as much, and right. Ready Player One is not hard science fiction, but it's hard on the nostalgia. So, yeah. All right. So uh, then, for now, I guess we will sign off. Yeah. Yes. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll sign off now with uh, pavement, pavement power, pounders. pounders. Yeah, what I can't say it. Um, pavement pounders say? blessing. There we go. <laughs> um, may the road rise up to meet you, and may the road rise up to meet you, and the gore not crush you. <laughs> that works. <laughs> All right, that's our blessing. So, there you go. done. So long, everybody. Bye. <laughs> oh, we d- we didn't get an M rating.
Oh, that's right. Yeah. Do we want a live M rating as we have an M nearby? Sure. <laughs> have a seat, Emily. James, come down here. You can share this with me. Yes. So, you've been chosen for single combat against your husband. <laughs> Mortal combat. <laughs> so, uh, we wanted to get M ratings for everything. For the oh story. What'd you get right. in? Um, I really like the story. Nice. It, um, yeah. It was... I, I Okay, so... I, First, I was told it was Star Trek, so I was thinking, you know, Prime Directive. Like, that was just, like, drilled into my mind. Yeah, yeah. But once I realized it was its own, like, non-Star Trek, I was like, okay, this is cool. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Thumbs up to the to the writer. Okay. Uh, do we do we usually get a letter grade from you on those? Yes. I, th- I think it is, right? The M rating has to be. Letter grade. A through Z. Yes, for example, it wasn't Blade Runner. Blade Runner was a Z. <laughs> Extra Zs, sleeping. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Um, I would give it like a, a a good solid A. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, what about uh, original series Trek episode? Oh, I really like that. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. We were disappointed that the Kirk didn't lose his shirt. Right, right. Or, or some article of clothing. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, I was, keep it original. Like, I was genuinely surprised that Kirk didn't at least lose his shirt at some point. Yeah, yeah. So. Keep it eight o'clock in the morning. We gotta, you know, keep it to the, you know. I've created a monster. Right. <laughs> okay, so that gets another solid A, or. I, I mean, it was cheesy and campy, but that's kind of Star Trek in that's general. That's what you're going in for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So as long you know as you know in. that, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, I would give it an A. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what about uh, TNG episode with the Ferengi and them, oh, them objecting yeah. to the women wearing clothing? Yeah, yeah. You forced them to wear clothing. I also object. <laughs> <laughs> no clothing anywhere. Woo. Um I just want to remind oh you gosh. that our Stepford Wives episode is over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have a, a warm, soft spot in my heart for the Ferengi. They are just like, really? yeah, they just, <laughs> oh man, they're they're so horrible, but so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Um, but the the whole like mind battle, I, I just didn't. It it wasn't as good as the original series. I just I. Yeah. All right. What are you yeah. trending to on on letter grade? Letter grade, um, B. Yeah, okay. solid B. All right. And the outer limits. Oh gosh. Um, C. Very cheesy. Okay. But yeah. All right. Well, we will capture that for. For posterity. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Well Emily. done. All right. Whew. Pressure's off. Yeah. Dismissed. Still haven't come up with a blessing. Right. All right. We better get this party <laughs> it's started. Be quite the blooper reel, dude. <laughs> oh, I'm, not, I'm not keeping any of that. <laughs> nobody, nobody has to know. <laughs> that that all happened during the uh-huh. the fight down on the planet, and then and then right. It, but it, it, as far as everybody else was concerned, it was instantaneous and never took place. It happened after <laughs> your weapon went off. Yeah, That's what she said. <laughs> okay, I had to love that one up the morning. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. <laughs>